Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library show. And today we have a great guest on because one of the things that a lot of business owners get to is at some point you get pretty good profitability, pretty stable cash flow in your business, and you're looking for other options of where can I invest this if I don't want to look at the stock market, I don't really understand crypto. But one of the things that has been a phenomenal resource for a lot of business owners is when it comes down to real estate being a viable option. And so today we have another guest on, and I want to talk about the great things that he's doing and really helping create options for himself, as well as being able to create options through the deals for other potential investors as well. So welcome to the show, Simon. How are you? Hey, Terrell. I'm doing great. And uh, thanks for uh, the opportunity to come on your show. And I think I mentioned to you before, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and I always find value in the, in, in the, the content, the, the people that you interview. And, you know, there's so many different, uh, you know, topics, you know, from marketing and, and leadership. And so I just hope I'm able to bring some value to your, to your uh, uh, subscribers as well. Well, thank you for being a listener and a watcher of the show. Um, and, and it's always good to get that feedback because, you know, I think, you know, as a business owner and as a content creator, one of the things we always try to make sure is that, you know, we're, we're providing something that people actually want. <laughs> so thanks for the feedback. Yeah, absolutely. So now before we jump into some of the details of talking about, like I said, your amazing real estate business, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your background? Yeah, so uh, I, I've been fortunate to, to have been a real estate investor for 17 years uh, now. And, and, you know, my journey started with single family homes. Uh, I still, I will always remember my first uh, single family investment that, that, that I purchased. You know, I was working a nine to five job. And at the end of the day, you know, six o'clock, I, I grab a quick dinner go to the go to the house and, and start working on it and I, I did all the work on that house myself now um, you know it was backbreaking work I mean I was on my hands and knees you know redoing floors I was painting you know doing drywall learned a lot um, and and probably for me um, one of the biggest lessons was you know my time is valuable and you know back then you know I, I missed out on a lot of you know family time you know dinners my son was like two years old so you know I was missing time with him. Um, but that's really, you know, that's kind of where my journey started. And, and, you know, looking back, I probably even knowing everything I know now wouldn't change anything just because of all the things I learned, you know, along the way. Um, so over, over, over that period of time, you know, I, I, I realized that buying single family homes is not going to scale to the point that I needed it to. And, you know, my, my desire is not to retire early, or, you know, this isn't about, uh, you know, getting rich or anything like that. It's, it's about making work optional. So, you know, I still have a W-2 job, um, but I'd, I'd like for it to be an optional, you know, an option for me to, to continue working or not continue working, or if something happened to the job or, or you know, whatever the case is, um, I'd like to, to have the option and the ability to, to the flexibility, you know, to, to, to be okay and to maintain my standard of living. So, um, you know, that's kind of brought me to where I'm at now. And uh, I, I started investing in multifamily about, uh, about a year ago and have really scaled from being a passive investor now to being an active uh, general partner, you know, in some deals. So that that's kind of where, where my journey is going now. Nice. Nice. You know, one of the things that I will say, going back to, we talked about, you know, buying the, the single family and doing the work yourself, like 
I sub I extremely applaud you for that. I think I, I remember when my wife and I bought our first house where a lot of the work had been done, but like there was some stuff we had to redo, like, you know, like the, the shower, like in the main master bathroom, the shower floor had to be redone because it wasn't sloped right to the train. And I remember like being on my hands and knees and doing that small project to where I'm just like, I can't imagine doing a, you know, a major renovation like that. So how long did it take you to get through all the work since you were working in the daytime and then working in the evening? Like how long did that first project take you? <laughs> it, it took me, um, I want to say about three months, if I remember right, you know, right, right around three months. Um, and in my mind, I'm saving all this money from, from not having to pay contractors and, and things like that. But looking back now, it, it, it probably cost me way more in, in the time uh, than if I had just you know, paid someone who knew what they were doing because I was, I was having to figure stuff out as I went along. Uh, you know, and, and so if I just paid someone and they had to come in, it would have saved me so much time. Um, so again, you know, lesson learned, but, and, and you know, I wouldn't trade some of those lessons for anything because you know, looking back now, it, it was backbreaking hard work, but it was, you know, it was well worth it. So. Gotcha. Now, did you learn a lot of it from like watching like YouTube or just like asking people or how did you, how did you learn a lot of that stuff? You know, I was fortunate, I, you know, renovations. Um, so my first property, I stayed away from having to do anything really structural. So it was really, you know, just a lot of cosmetic. The floors were, were a mess. Now they were, um, they were hardwood floors, but they were, you know, they just, they weren't, they didn't look very nice, you know, to, to put it nicely. <laughs> so I had to refinish those floors and it was, you know, that, that was probably the hardest part was refinishing those, those, those wood floors. Uh, and they came out, they came out great, but, um, you know, a lot of the other work, you know, kind of, you know, fixing drywall and things like that. Uh, I just kind of learned as, as, you know, like you said, you know, YouTube, uh, and then trying to practice it on my own. Uh, the first couple of patch uh, patch jobs I did weren't, didn't, you know, didn't look very good, um, but I got better, you know. So, uh, yeah, so yeah, it was it was kind of learn as you go. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, now you know one of the things that I think is also pretty interesting is you know now when I talk to some people that are you know into investing in real estate, you know, they may have started maybe you know three years ago, two years ago, they just got into it. But, you know, having done it for 17 years, I mean, from your perspective, have you seen a lot change as far as like the type of people who went into real estate investing 17 years ago compared to now? Yeah, well, um, from my perspective, um, a lot of the people that started uh, investing in real estate about the same time that I did, have fallen off. So for whatever reason, um, the people that stuck with it were the ones that were really buying properties uh, for cash flow and uh, buying them at you know at, at discounted prices. So they had so that so the properties needed work, right? Uh, they needed work. Uh, so you got them at a at a at a better than market price. And once you finished the renovations and put a tenant in them, you know they were cash flowing. Uh, the people that got into trouble and a lot of people fell off, you know, around that 2008, 2009 mark, you know, with, the, with the, the recession, a lot of those people were speculating. And for me, speculating is when you buy a property and, and you hope that you can renovate it and turn it around and sell it, you know, within, you know, 
three to six months or something. Uh, a lot of those people were caught holding a bag, you know, holding a property uh, when the recession hit and then they couldn't get, get rid of it and they had debt on it and then, and then it was foreclosed on, you know, because they couldn't, they couldn't maintain it. Uh, so unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, that, that kind of that hit uh, people hard and that really shook out a lot of those, a lot of those, those investors, you know, out of the market at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's an interesting thing when, uh, you know, I, I look at that a lot from just a, a business perspective. I mean, my background with accounting and finance is just seeing people go into an idea of a business more so with the high hopes of being able to flip it at some point, like, hey, it's going to be worth more, I can flip it. But it's like, when you start to look at it operationally, you look at some of the nuts and bolts, like you said, the cash flow. And, you know, your expenses are just like you guys are upside down. Like if you don't flip this, then you're going to be holding a bad deal. So when it comes down to, to real estate for yourself, you know, and, um, as far as looking at properties and stuff, you know, do you usually aim for ones that have like, you know, high valuation? Do you look for kind of operationally like cash flow or how do you start to think about the deals or the potential deals that you look at? It, it, it all starts uh, with cash flow. So that to me, that's the biggest thing because uh, real estate can be cyclical. I mean, there will be ups and downs in, in real estate and, and, and the price of real estate. Uh, but as long as, it, as long as the asset is generating cash flow, that helps to kind of even out the, the ups and downs of the market. So, um, if you're generating cash flow and there's a down market, well, the rents aren't necessarily going to change. But, you know, and, and as far as I can remember in my 17 years, I've never lowered the rent on a property. It, you know, it, maybe it stayed the same uh, you know, over a year-over-year year year basis, but I've never actually lowered it. Um, so if you're generating that cash flow, that's the cushion that, that kind of gets you through those different you know, market cycles and uh, you know, really kind of provides you with a, a safety net. Um, and then appreciation's next, you know, because if, if you hold on to, to real estate long enough, um, it's going to appreciate because there's only so much land, you know, on this earth, you know, that, that, that can be purchased. So, uh, if you, if, if you had the cash flow and there's a down market, you can hold on to the property, get, get, get through it. And then when, when the, the, the economic times change, then you can, uh, you know, sell it if you, if you, if you wanted to or needed to. Uh, without that cash flow and, and say there's an economic downturn, again, you're going to be left, you know, holding a property that that's one is not profitable. And then two, you're going to have trouble making the, the, the mortgage payment, the insurance, the, the real estate taxes and, and everything else associated with it. Gotcha. Now, one, one of the things you talked about was, you know, at some point in your journey, you know, you started kind of looking at multifamily, you know, were there any like kind of driving situations or things that cause you to kind of shift your attention and say, hey, you know, we've been doing the single family for a while. Let me take a look at multifamily. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really great question. And um, for, for real estate investors, it seems like you reach a point when you're buying single family homes, when you realize like you only have so much capital to, to deploy and you can only make so many down payments. You can only pay for so many renovations before you run out of money. And you're going to run out of money before you get to a point uh, with your portfolio that you are, you know, at the, where you've met your goals. And like I mentioned earlier, my goal would be to, to, to make 
you know, my W-2 job optional and I wasn't, I wasn't going to have enough capital to, to get there. Um, so multifamily was a vehicle that I discovered that, that, that could get me there because of the scale. Um, you know, when you, when you think multifamily, you know, you know, I'm not talking about duplexes or, or, or fourplexes. We're talking about, you know, hundred unit or more, you know, apartment buildings and the scale at which you can, you can get involved in, in multifamily can really help you accomplish your, your financial goals, whether they be, you know, retirement, uh, you know, building wealth, making a, a W-2 job optional, you know, just so many different things that you can accomplish uh, because of the scale involved with, with multifamily. Nice, nice. Now, when people hear the term, you know, like multifamily and they're thinking, you know, 100 unit properties, you know, some people are asking questions like, hey, all right, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a multi-billionaire or I'm not a multi-millionaire. It's like, how can any of those type of deals be something that I could get into? You know, that's, those are the same questions I had. Like, I was thinking the same thing. I would, I would hear people uh, talking about investing in multifamily. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to scrape up enough money to put a down payment on a, on a single family house. You know, how am I going to invest in, a, in this, in this hundred unit apartment building? And, you know, it was, it was a couple of years ago, um, you know, in San Antonio where, where, where I live, Prices in, in real estate were, were just, it was such a hot market. Like I'm doing analysis on, on properties and nothing made sense. Like even if I'm putting 25% down, you know, you're talking about a cash on cash return of like less than 2%. So it, it just didn't make sense. And I'm like, what, what can I do? So I started going to meetups, you know, real estate meetups, local, you know, here in San Antonio. And um, I started hearing people talking about it. You know, we would get up and introduce ourselves and, guy next to me gets up and, you know, he's wearing these old jeans and t-shirt and he's like, yeah, I just closed on a 200 unit, you know, multifamily deal. I'm like, what is this guy doing that, that I'm not, what, you know, and just through, through connections and networking at these meetups, I started to to hear more and, and they introduced me to passive investing in multifamily deals where I could, as a limited partner, I could, you know, put money into a deal uh, that would go off and buy these, you know, apartment buildings and, you know, my mind just kind of blew up. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> Where has this come from? Where has this been? You know, 17 years that I've been buying single family homes. And, you know, just I wish I had learned about it so much sooner. But like I said, you know, your, your journey is unique and you learn so much along the way. So I'm, I'm here for a reason. Uh, I'm here where I'm at for a reason. So, um, you know, once I found out about it, uh, uh, I, I got in touch with a, a general partner here in San Antonio who, who I was recommended to, and I met him for lunch and we talked about a, a deal that he had. And he's like, you know, here, here, here it is. You know, we, we walked through the, through the offering memo and I was ready to hand him a check right there. And then I'm like, how can I get into this deal? I, I want to make sure I'm in this deal. What do I got to do? You know? And uh, so that's, that's kind of how I got into uh, uh, multifamily. I started uh, at that point investing passively as a, as a, as a limited partner in, in, a, in these deals. Nice. I, you know, it's very always interesting when, you know, you have like some of those moments where, like you said, I can just, you know, envision it where you're sitting there, person next to you gets up and says, Hey, I just invested in 200 unit. And it's just like, well, what are you doing that I'm not doing? Like, did he really just say 200? <laughs> 
yeah, it was, I mean, literally my, my mind just kind of exploded. I'm like, you know, and so my turn comes up and I get up and I'm like, you know, I've, I've got, I've got, I've got 12 single family homes. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Now, when it comes down to being a limited partner for, you know, for business owners that don't quite understand, you know, I think it's, you know, it'll be good to talk a little bit more about like what that means of being a limited partner, because one of the concerns that a lot of business owners that listen to this show or just business owners in general it's like, hey, I feel like I'm already at capacity running my current business. So would I even have time? Like, what are some of the commitments of a limited? What are some what can some of the commitments be for a limited passive investor? Yeah, you know, great, great question. And I'll break it down in a couple of ways. Um, you know, as as a limited partner, you're 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 invested in 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 the deal in the purchase of a multifamily, multifamily, you know, building and, and you are an actual owner. So, you know, you can go to the property, you can, you can go on, on tours, you can, you know, see it, feel it, touch it. Um, so you get all the benefits of being a real estate owner. Um, you, you take part in the cash flow, you take part in the appreciation uh, and you get all the tax benefits, the depreciation and write-offs that come with, with owning uh, real estate without having to deal with the day-to-day management, without having to deal with tenants, without having to deal with, you know, calls in the middle of the night, you know, when things break or anything like that. Um, as a, uh, so in, in that respect, it's totally passive, but, you know, you have to do some of your homework on the front end in order to, to vet the, the partnership team, vet the, the, the deal. Um, so there's a little bit of work on the front end, you know, you, you got to do your due diligence to, to, to make sure that you, the people you're partnering with on this deal, you know, have the experience, have the knowledge, you know, they, they've, they've done some of these types of transactions and, 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 and you trust them because, uh, you know, these are long-term partnerships that you're forming. You know, most of these deals take, you know, five, six, seven years to, to turn them around. So that's, that's a long time to be partnered with someone uh, that, you know, if you don't trust them. Now, for a deal like that, when we mentioned about, you know, five, six, you know, maybe seven plus years to turn the deal around, is it that the limited partners invest today and over that time frame or whatever, do they sell it off or do they do some type of exit payout in, in that, that time frame? Yes. So uh, typically the way, um, the way that deals are structured and the way that I like to see them uh, structured for my investors is we, we pay off a, a pay out a, 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 what we call a preferred return. Typically our deals will have a 7% preferred return and preferred return does not mean that you're guaranteed that, that amount, but it means that you're going to get paid before any of the general partnership team is paid. Um, so let me, let me take a step back. We, we've been talking about limited partners who invest in the deal the general partners are the ones who put the deal together and then execute the business plan over the life of the, of the transaction. So, you know, 7% preferred return cash on cash uh, is typically how we structure it. Then there's the appreciation on the back end. So over the time, over the time that we're holding this asset, we're adding value to it. We're renovating uh, units. We're adding, you know, maybe a, a dog park or a playground amenities things that we can then use to raise the, the operating income at the asset. Um, 
And by doing so, we raise the, we raise the value of the asset. So, and that's why typically I'm saying, you know, a whole period is going to be about five years or so because it takes time to renovate units, to build, uh, build these types of amenities and to turn, uh, you know, some, some of the tenants around uh, and generate the, the, the additional income. Uh, but when the asset is sold, then the limited partners, uh, again, get their share of the appreciation. And uh, typically, the way that we structure the deals is going to be 70% uh, to, the, to the limited partners and then 30% to the general partners. Uh, so, the, again, the, the limited partners get a bulk of the, uh, of the appreciation that they get to, to participate in. Awesome. Awesome. So, now when it comes down to the types of deals that your company really looks after do you have kind of a you know a, a kind of a, a target profile that you guys kind of aim for yeah i would say our, our target profile is again 100 plus uh, units uh, we're looking for uh, what we call class b uh, type properties and class b is your probably 1980 or 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 uh, above vintage uh, uh, units so they were built you know 1980 or or since then uh, class A would be probably, uh, you know, built uh, mid, uh, you know, mid 2000s and, and above. So, you know, we have that little sweet spot there where from 1980 to about 1995 or so. Uh, those are the units, those are the, the apartments that we find we can really go in and add some value in because uh, especially the ones that have been neglected, you know, still have some of that 1980s type, type, you know, carpet or wallpaper, you know, stuff like that. That's really easy for us to go in and and, and renovate, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, putting in some, some, uh, some wood type flooring, uh, taking down wallpaper, painting, uh, adding some new cabinets, you know, those are, those are easy ways to, to add, you know, a really modern touch to, to some of these units. Uh, so those are, you know, and, and the, uh, what, what we try to stay away from is structure uh, issues. So, you know, if, if there's a lot of, uh, uh, foundation, foundational type issues, you know, probably don't want to mess with that because you never know what else you're going to discover once you start working on those types of, uh, of buildings. But, uh, you know, our, our business plans are typically, um, you know, renovate, uh, add amenities, um, and then operate the, the, the uh, apartment, you know, much more efficiently than what the previous management team was doing. And, uh, you know, those three things can add a lot of value to these, uh, to these assets. Awesome. So if people are interested in checking out some of the deals you guys may have in the works or projects that you guys have been involved in, where is the best place for them to find you online? Yeah, so, so my website, sastexascapital.com. Uh, we have uh, educational materials. I even put together a little uh, white paper on, on you know, the seven best reasons to invest in multifamily. Uh, we also have samples of previous deals uh, on our website. And then if you sign up for the white paper, you also get put onto our investor mailing list. So uh, anytime that we have investment opportunities that come up, uh, you'll, be, you'll be one of the first ones to know about it. Awesome. awesome. Well, before we wrap up, one question that I love asking every guest that comes on is, you know, when you think back to your journey that you've been on and where you are now, you know, what's two lessons that you would share with other people who are looking to invest in real estate. And it could be something you've already said that you want to reiterate, or it could be two new things. Um, yeah, that's, that's such a good question. Uh, one I would say is uh, I, I'm, I'm big on having mentors and, and coaches 
and being being around people who are like minded. So for me, you know, one thing is, is you know, uh, if, if you can find a mentor, you know, in, in real estate or really, you know, in anything in business, as you probably well know, uh, for me, a, a mentor or a coach acts as an, a, a, an accelerator. So, yeah, you can probably figure some of this stuff out. It might take you a couple of years, two, three years, and, and you can probably do it on your own. But if you really want to scale and if you really want to, you know, move fast, uh, a mentor or a coach just acts as, a, as, a, as an accelerator. And probably hand in hand with that, um, the other thing is just education, you know, uh, reading books, uh, you know, read materials, uh, find blogs, uh, YouTube, your podcast is a, is a great resource. Um, you know, education is, is so huge. Um, and I, I talk to a lot of people who want to get started in real estate and have no idea where. Well, you know, listening to podcasts is a great place to start. You know, there, there's thousands of real estate books, you know, but take action, you know, just, just get started, get educated, um, you know, meetups. Again, I, I had a great experience with meetups and, and, and they helped me get to where I'm at. So uh, yeah, mentors, coaches, and, and education. I mean, that's, that's where you get started. Awesome. Well, Simon, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the show today. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Talk Library. If you like our content, be sure to follow us on social media. And if you want to see more of our exclusive content, you can subscribe and become a member on patreon.com forward slash business talk library. Hey, the Business Talk Library is the place where business makes sense.